Hello and welcome to Get Object. This is a podcast about things in games. I'm Rosie. I am joined as ever by my wonderful co-host Paul. Hello. And today we're talking about drugs. So we will be chasing the dragon in just a second. But first some chat. Paul, how are you? What's going on? Have you played any games? I'm good, thank you. Um, I The only game I've played is uh, Heaven's Vault which I've been uh, been continuing on with. Um, Very nice. The Last of Us 2 should be here uh, soon. So right. next time we chat, maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about that. Um, there's an indie game I've had my eye on, which is uh, a hand with many fingers, which is oh, yeah. like a archive research thing based on like real shit the CIA did. As in, right. like, you know, bad shit. <laughs> Dodgy mm. shit where you kind of like... And it's got... It looks like it's got that thing where you put stuff on a wall and connect it with string, which... Uh, Love that. Love yeah. a yarn map. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to try and play that. But anyway, yeah, I've been playing Heaven's Vault again. Um, something uh, which I, I thought about, which we didn't really talk about before, that me and you have talked about a little bit, actually, which I wanted to... Like, off, off the podcast, which mm. I thought was worth mentioning, was... Um, the way the uh, main character is written. Uh, I've forgotten her name. Uh, Alia. Alia, yeah. Because like I was saying to you, I'm not sure if it's the way I'm playing her or whatever, but she's a bit um, abrasive. <laughs> or she, yeah, she can... yeah, yeah. She's a bit arsey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, th- I think is um, not not that common. Like I, I think, so obviously you have choices about what you say, but I think mm. she's written written still as a cat i think that's part of how she's written she's meant to be a bit arsy right yeah yeah uh i don't think you see a lot of that um i like it i think yes. it's really hard to do uh, it's really hard to make a character who, who can be yeah a bit snippy and a bit uh a bit abrasive and make mm. them likable uh but she absolutely is um i really like her um and I think, yeah, like I don't think there's many characters like that. Um, unless you're, unless you're, yeah, they're they're kind of played for comedy because they're just being like a dick to everyone, or they're just mm. unlikable. But mm. she is, um, yeah, cool and yeah, just a bit of an asshole sometimes. I think that's yeah. I think that's great. I I absolutely enjoy that about her. She's a really fun pl- character to play for that reason. I'm trying to think of another character. I I feel like renegade femshep in the Mass Effect series. <laughs> right. Okay. Is ma- she she's like constantly abrasive and is also fun to play. Um. But yeah, it's it's just not that common. You don't come across it very often. Um. But yeah, she's a real treat, Alia. I I also like um. I, again, I I think you can lean into this if you want to, uh, and I have a lot, but I, I think it's probably meant to be there and, and it's up to you to what extent you lean into it. There's definitely a thing about, because she comes from um, like a really disadvantaged background, mm-hmm. but as yeah. a young person, she was um, taken to Iox, which is like this, the kind of center of the empire. So she's, mm. she's kind of... Um, yeah, came from a really poor, disadvantaged background, but she's kind of grown up in this other place. And she, <laughs> there's constantly opportunities for her to like reinforce the fact that she's from that place. And like, if some pe- pe- people will see her as being like from Iox and being like one of them, and she yeah, really doesn't posh. like that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> she's really doesn't like that, and she uh, kind of has this struggle of like, of um, like 
who she wants to see herself as and like where yes. she feels like she's from and and uh yeah I thought that was really interesting and I I lean into it maximally like no I'm not I'm from here I'm from here like right I'm, yeah. oh, that's cool actually yeah yeah very relatable position I think uh, with with Alia uh, yeah it's a, it's a real struggle yeah so that's um yeah that's it for me what about you um I have been playing I've still been playing Metro Exodus, which I mentioned last time. Um, I'm enjoying it so, so much. It is, it's really good. I would say anyone who enjoys, if you've ever enjoyed one of the Bethesda Fallout games, like do yourself an absolute favor and try this out. It is um, very, very beautiful. Very good storytelling. Wonderful. I would die for any of the characters in this game at this stage. They're all my best friends. <laughs> um... Uh, it is by 4A Games, um, who are indeed uh, a Ukrainian uh, developer. Um, you got that right last time. I thought maybe they were Russian. Okay. Um, they are based in Malta. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Right. Um, but, but it's based on... Sorry. I was just going to say what, what's kind of... Because I'm sure we talked about games before. You were really like... Um, when it came to like shooters and stuff, you were just mm. like, yeah, I wouldn't play any of those right. games. Like... Uh, and I mean, this, I know this has like a bit of stealth in it and it's kind of mm. got maybe more mm. limited ammo than other games, but it's still kind of fundamentally a first person shooter. So mm. what? Mm. yeah. Um, the stealth mechanics I find really, really fun. Um, it's it's great. So, so the way that you can often approach it um, is that you'll be coming onto a particular like, you know, a, a slaver camp or something like that. And um, you can use stealth at first um, and then quickly it kind of heats up, you know, you get spotted, whatever, and then it becomes, you know, you need to shoot your way out of there. Um, the, I find that quite enjoyable, the kind of transition. Um, so, so as a shooter, like it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel too shootery to me, I guess. Mm. Um, but also like just, it's, it's such a beautiful world and it's, um, it's, there's a lot of humanity. They're characters who like, you know, enjoy a song, who tell each other stories, who like really seem to be like trying to, you know, live out the apocalypse with as much kind of friendship and good times as possible. Um, it's just it's just lovely. I just think it's it's a really and and like it's not always completely serious and grim. Um, you know, there there is there is some like silliness and lighter elements. But everything I just think is handled with like a real sort of depth of sincerity and um, it just, it, it feels great. It's a lovely world to be in. Um, so I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, the other game um, I wanted to uh, notice, notice, the other game I've been playing is um, <laughs> Graveyard Keeper. Um, that's by uh, Lazy Bear, I believe the names of the developer. I didn't, I didn't write it down. Um, they are actually based in Russia. Um, and it's it's a really fun game. I'm really enjoying it. It's a bit like Stardew Valley, but you play a graveyard keeper. Um, so rather than kind of trying to maintain like a little farm, you're trying to maintain a graveyard. Uh, and it's very, very good. It's very interesting, basically. Okay. Like, so is, it, is it like trying to similar a Stardew Valley in terms of like trying to set up systems mm. so that you don't have to do everything or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that, basically. Like, you're trying to... You start off, like, quite rudimentary, you know, just having to, like, dig out graves and, like, 
berry bodies and stuff like that and, and and gradually it becomes more elaborate and you can get bigger bonuses and i believe you can actually automate some of it the mechanisms through um through mm. raising zombies um it's okay. It's it's really it's really interesting game. There is some flaws to it, I would say. I think the tech trees and the crafting trees are, are a little overly complex. Mm. Um, but it has just such interesting concepts in it. It's like um, your the quality of your graveyard is affected by like the kind of negative aura of the corpses in it. Like if a, if corpses were like of bodies of people who are really really sinful, that sin will inhere in the body in physical form and bring down the rating of your graveyard but you can kind of get rid of some of that sin by extracting like the blood and the fat and the tissues from the body so it's like sin lives in the body in mm -hmm. like in the in like the the physical matter of it i don't know it's Me. really interesting yeah it's like it's like um some kind of interesting like medieval theology or something like it's um there's something fascinating about it that kind of is um I'm just really interested to kind of keep exploring these systems and stuff even though they are a little over complex I think mm. okay sounds so cool. yeah graveyard keeper yeah I'm enjoying it okay before we get on to the, the the main subject of this episode a little bit of feedback um so JT's been back in touch it's been a few episodes since we uh we heard from from Jay, Shout uh, out Jay. yeah so Jay um, came up with a couple of um, town towns that we uh, didn't touch on in our towns mm. episode. So Jay said two small things, not great shakes, but I would mention L.A. Noir, which recreates 40s L.A. and Assassin's Creed-like detail. But unlike Assassin's Creed, it's introducing you to a town that isn't that old and whose weird slash slightly unhealthy origins are right on the surface. Um, glad you mentioned Deadly Premonition, a hugely flawed game, but I love that for good and bad, they create one of the few game towns that is on a realistic scale. They haven't cut out the bits that are irrelevant to the game. In stuff like GTA, you can cross the city in very little time. Crossing the small town in Deadly Premonition takes a frustratingly realistic amount of time. It's actually like driving down the shops. Yeah. I mean, that's actually extremely true and is a point that I almost made about Deadly Premonition. It is weird. It's like you're you're staying in like this hotel, which is on the outskirts of town. And it really does feel like it's on the outskirts of town. It's like it takes like six minutes to like get into town right. like via these back roads. Um, you know, like it's like feels like, you're, you know, you're on the other side of a bypass or something. Yeah. <laughs> it is very realistic. Yeah. Jay also mentioned, also asked us if there's anywhere that he can like review us or something other than Apple. Uh, I don't know, really. I don't. Is there? I don't. I don't know. My understanding is Stitcher. I did. I did look it up. Apparently Stitcher, but I think you still have to create an account on Stitcher to do that. Okay. But I think you can leave a review. So if anyone isn't on Apple and would like to leave us a review, um, that is a way that you can do it. Or just like if you don't want to go on Apple and leave a review or something, just uh, recommend it to somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do it with your mouth. Yeah. Or <laughs> um, start a cult, cult of some kind. And oh, make, please. Make listening to this podcast like one of the early, you know, they have like levels of initiation and stuff in yeah. cults, right? So don't yeah. introduce it straight away. But early on, have listening to the podcast as like a requirement and then go up from there into patreon subscriptions and like build up the levels uh that would be something you can do uh if you that... can't if you're not an apple start a cult 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, that's, I think that is absolutely, that would be what we would recommend in, in your circumstance, Jay. So yeah. um, get on that. Yeah. Um, okay, but speaking of reviews, someone who didn't found a cult, um, but did leave us a review. Thank you very much. ASDJK48 uh, left us a review this week. And um, there is actually a little bit of feedback in it that we wanted to get to. Um, he mentions that um, he would actually be quite happy. He or she, sorry, um, would be quite happy if we only ever talked about Metal Gear, The Elder Scrolls and Witcher 3. I'm up for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking when I was uh, writing my notes for this episode, there's a few games I've, I've seen here before. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think we do a decent job of, of pulling new games, but let's be honest. I mean, both of us have got a few staples that we... Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we do our absolute best, That's don't to we? Be expected, but, but yeah, I mean, the Elder Scrolls are featuring quite heavily in my notes this week. I did, I did notice. Um, uh, they noted that the episodes on maps and towns were uh, their favourite so far. Thank you very much. And both put them in mind of Italo Calvino's Invisible Cities, a sort of metafiction dialogue about the cognitive topology of place and our experience of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Italo Calvino's Invisible Cities, Paul. No. I, referenced in loads of stuff. That, uh, I bet. I thought, yeah. yeah, it must be quite interesting with you, your kind of interest in sort of fictional fictional places and worlds. Yeah. Um, I should probably read it. Yeah, I've I've never read it. Um, my other half, Dave, is very into Italo Calvino and um, sort of thought that, that was an excellent recommendation and said that Invisible Cities is like a poem that follows a mathematical structure, which... Uh, sounds great. I'm I'm into it. So uh, so yeah. If you do enjoy, uh, if you were enjoying the fictional worlds that we were discussing last time, that might be a nice source to check out. Yeah. Are they 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 also mentioned in there that um, I need to play Morrowind. I mean, yes, I'm just obviously. I'm just I'm just wait I'm just waiting for the game club where <laughs> Rosie picks that for me, which uh, <laughs> is inevitably going to happen at some point. Uh, so. I'd be a bit nervous about picking Morrowind though because it is like it's a lot of hours. Like if I if I make you play Morrowind, that's going to be like something that you're going to be doing for several months. <laughs> yeah, but. I guess I've, you know, I've accepted it's going to happen at some point. You were just resigned to your fate. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to journey to Vardenfell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. It's fine. Okay, so let's get on to what we're talking about then, which today is drugs. Drugs, yes. Do you um, want drugs, Rosie? <laughs> drugs. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Often we go in and we we kind of have a thought about how kind of potent or symbolically charged the substance that we're discussing is. And obviously this time around, very potent, uh, Mm. very charged, um, almost in themselves. Um, Yeah, I have some positive associations with drugs. I think think for many of us, drugs go down fairly easy um, (laughs) for some some more than others, perhaps. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I think even if you don't have, um, you know, those kinds of habit forming tendencies yourself, you'll be familiar with the ways in which they can, um, work on other people, uh, people around you, people in your life. Uh, so, you know, you've got this strong positive, strong negative associations with drugs. They seem to Mm. offer the possibility of expanding the world, but can also really close your world down, make it much smaller, Mm. um they can interfere with your relationships with other people very much with your relationship with yourself 
um, there are dangerous, potent territory that we're in this week. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, in terms of how they appear in games, mm-hmm. um, so I, I kind of started with some generalizations, which sure. uh, obviously there are plenty of exceptions, but just to kind of get a grasp on the on the territory in a, in a rough way. Mm. So um, I, I was kind of thinking that in terms of how they generally generally appear, it depends on to what extent the focus is on uh, to, to whether they appear in like a, a mechanical uh, form or like as a narrative uh, focus. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. for example, if you're talking about drugs that are there as like some kind of mechanical thing, so like as a healing item or a boost item, they're often quite inconsequential in that they're just like the thing that stands in for making your health go up, uh, which could be anything. Um, mm. So, you know, mm. like uh, there's plenty of games with uh, bottles of pills or um, syringes that you jab in your arm or some kind of stim that you, you slap on. Um, and they're just, yeah, as I say, they're just there because you need a healing thing. Um, I would say that the fact that they use that rather than like food or health health packs would quite often signal that the game's trying to be a bit edgy in, in right. some way or it's meant yeah. to be a bit darker or, or something like that. Not necessarily, but um, that, that can be the case. Yeah. Where they appear more in a narrative capacity, I think they're almost always uh, grim and bad in games. Um, mm. I was kind of Googling around, um, I found an article by Nick Rubin, who I uh, uh, coincidentally mentioned in the last episode as well. So he must be doing some good work because he keeps coming up in my searches. Um, Shout out to Nick. Yeah, writing about drugs. And he, and, and he made this, this point as well that they tend to be confined to grim settings and they tend to be the territory of society's dregs. Um, right. So, so some games that, are, that that give some examples of that, and, and there, there are a lot, but ones that I thought of, um, Max Payne, from our friends at Remedy, who, who uh, <laughs> what, yeah, one of the studios that, that comes up quite a lot, uh, yeah. from 2001. So Max's family is murdered by crazed junkies on Valkyria, um, and there's a there's a so that that you know that that kind of idea of that, that you'd see in like the the right wing press of you know drugs related to yeah you know crazed junkies that will go off mm. and do all these mad crimes because they, they completely lose it uh there's lots of drugs that mirror you know that kind of sprees of crack addiction that you'd have in like, urban centers in various ways so zyme in Deus X, the the first DSX from 2000 by ironstorm uh is a drug that appears on on the street um again it's uh very addictive it's an urban drug this is it appears in areas of urban decay it's a drug that drives people crazy so again these kind of ideas uh the longest journey again the first one from 1999 you encounter people who are on a drug which i think is called rapture and mm-hmm. they are kind of uh in their own world like they're completely gone like their mind's broken and um, again it's an urban drug that you see on street corners in the the, the kind of worst parts of, of the city. Um, the the other aspect would be where you see them 
related to like spates of, of death, like a particularly dangerous drug of some kind. So Neon, again, returned to Deus Ex series, but, right. um, Mankind Divided from 2016. There's a, a quest or two where you kind of find these people who have been killed by this fashionable drug called Neon and you have to investigate like where it's coming from and stuff like this. So um, I think... So I think this is important to say that this is an aspect of drugs, like this kind of very grim, uh, grim um, area, and every and these reflect like real issues and real problems. Mm. Um, but obviously, it doesn't cover the whole gambit of of what drugs are and people's experience of drugs. Um, uh, so, for, for example, we we don't see a lot of games interested in, for example drugs used for ritual purposes or religious purposes right. or even yep. recreational purposes that's not something we're seeing a lot so i think games generally quite conservative when it comes to um depicting drugs which which i think is quite interesting because i think games often think of themselves as being a, a kind of vanguard medium that's quite edgy and you know very uh in the now but but actually like i said we get we get pandemics of addiction and urban decay we get panic around fashionable drugs that's going to kill your kids drugs that send people crazy in the in the reefer madness tradition mm. so these are all very um yeah conservative ideas of what drugs are yeah i mean i had that as well that idea of drugs as used as like a shorthand for like social deviance basically mm. um or you know i mean the way that it would translate in a lot of the games that i'm into would be banditry like even in like elder scrolls like a fantasy setting like you're you're going in and you find a lot in bandit camps that they have skooma which is the um the the drug of that universe um yeah so again yeah it's it's a place where dominant sort of quite conservative narratives it's interesting that you found that as well, because I was thinking that this might be a place where my knowledge of games is falling short slightly because I tend to not play a lot of indies. Um, and I thought maybe they, you know, maybe in the AAA gaming space, you have to kind of subscribe to these slightly more conservative kind of narratives mm. um, about about drug taking and, um, you know, about... Uh, it always being something that is happening outside of or, or always kind of being a, an outsider uh, thing to do with social deviance or banditry or whatever. Um, but it sounds like you weren't able to think of many examples um, outside those kinds of narratives either. I'm sure there must be. Uh, maybe yeah, they just yeah. haven't jumped to mind. So that would be a good opportunity for anyone who's listening who uh, who can think of st- stuff. Then be there mu- Yeah, there must be some some indie games that have a different take so yeah if, if i've i'm sure i've missed stuff so yeah yeah that's no um. yeah um i was thinking about speaking of um conservative one of the articles i found actually a few of the articles i found about drug use in video games were um suggesting that you know oh there's a really long tradition going back ages for instance lots of people seem to suggest that um the mushrooms in mario are like a bit of a nudge winkery towards mm-hmm. hallucinogens I just don't buy that at all. I just feel like the Mushroom Kingdom is a fundamentally incredibly straight environment. Everyone there is like a square. Like Princess Peach is not presiding over some kind of cool bohemian kind of hallucinogenic (laughs) hangout kingdom. Uh, That's not what she's into. Uh, So yeah, so I I just wanted to get that in there. I, I am not 
a, a believer in the uh, Mario mushrooms as psychedelic theory. Although I also found something on that, which oh, suggests yeah? that you may have inadvertently... So so apparently, um, uh, Miyamoto said something about how it's meant to be a magical kingdom and there are lots mm-hmm. of um, old stories where when people enter a magical kingdom, they like eat like mushrooms or something. Or oh, eat. So, okay. Um, I, I don't think... So I yeah, I don't think he. I don't think it's meant to be like, yeah, this is meant to be hallucinogenic. But he just took it from like a, a another tradition and was like, oh, this is a thing. I don't think he thought of it in terms of uh, uh, hallucinogens or something like that. He wasn't like sitting there going, oh my god, man, Mario is completely yeah. tripping out. I mean, you know um, more than that about that about me. Uh, actually, as you said that, yeah, certainly like the idea of fairies being associated with mushrooms is pretty strong, actually. Okay. And like living in mushrooms, like mushroom rings being a way that you enter like fairy kingdoms. Um, so, okay. All right. Well, maybe maybe there is something something in the root there. Um, I was also thinking, just to say as well, about the ways in which... Um, drugs can coincide with video games in terms of the ways like we interact with them so i was thinking about like um when i'm sure lots of people have this memory of like consuming a load of sugar as a child and playing video games like until late 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 at night like i definitely remember sitting with my friend sarah and like eating like a shitload of like um haribo gummy bears and playing sonic till incredibly late and i guess people still do that with um energy drinks and stuff like is the classic idea um and another one i thought of was dark souls trying to play dark souls drunk which is something that i have done on several occasions um on getting back from the pub and uh never ends well but i you know it'll just be like you'll get that confidence (laughs) (laughs) it's time now to really you know really play some elite dark souls um and yeah it doesn't work out i i wanted to look and see if there's any streamers who've done like drunk dark souls because there must be it just is such an obvious idea for a stream but i i wasn't able to find anything yeah yeah i've definitely done the coming home drunk and playing games thing plenty of times i'm sure lots of people uh strong association as well between Obviously, smoking lots of weed and playing something. Uh, yes. Of, yeah. I've heard. I've heard that that can be a thing. Yeah. Um. Yes, I've heard that there are games that work particularly well for that. Uh, my understanding is Morrowind can work quite well. Um. In that respect, because uh, it's like this big, cool, interesting environment that you t- can take quite slowly, um, and uh, has all sorts of hints of interesting esoteric truths beneath the surface and stuff like that um, that's what i've heard so I would, I would more associate it with uh like um passing the pad with other people which right. is just ah. in that context i guess and, or, or like co-op games yeah 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 like a social thing f- football games like okay football games yeah uh, yeah that would be an association that i might have for some reason uh, one other thing um I forgot to say with like the when 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 uh, drugs aren't negative in games, then they tend to be a joke. Yes. Uh, so, for example, most prominently, I think of Grand Theft Auto Five. At least I don't know if other games has a, has a at least one, and I think a number of various kind of trip 
mm. missions where your character kind of goes off on flights of fancy. Um, yeah, not particularly representative of the experience of taking drugs in any way, I don't think. And yeah, in that case, it's just meant to be like funny, basically. Well, and, and not just like a funny thing, like a side thing that is completely separate to the normal experience of the game and in yeah. fact has no impact on mm. the wider game is is just like this total side thing where it's like, and now we're going to use some art assets in some fun ways and like get a bit wacky. Um, and then, you know, the, the character comes back and sort of just wakes up in the middle of nowhere in their pants or whatever. Mm. Um, but it, it has had no no impact on their lives, no impact on the game. You know, it's, it's this, again, this separate outside thing. I mean, that's kind of interesting, I think, though, that... I mean, because what a drug does basically, if we're talking about like recreational drugs, mm. is uh, change the way that your brain works. Yes. And it's interesting that, yeah, I didn't really think about that, but games have used that as an excuse to break the rules of what the game does. Like they'll change like the physics and, uh, um, yeah, like you said, use completely assets that don't make sense in mm. another context. And it does allow them to step outside of the normal functioning of the game which is uh, in a sense what is happening with drugs and that your 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 brain starts to function in a different way which yeah um so that's kind of interesting i guess yeah yeah so uh what do you think about how good games are at representing the experience of taking drugs and again i guess i'm primarily talking about recreational drugs here yeah, I wasn't um I wasn't sure I could think of many examples of it done well. The thing I always think of about how games represent drugs is that thing about when your character drinks some alcohol and in every single game they represent it the same way, which is the screen goes kind of blurry yeah. <laughs> for like six seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And and that's kind of the way that they do it. I guess it's like it is just tackling the sort of visual um, effects, I guess, in a way, um, without without getting too far into anything else. But I honestly couldn't think of any other ways that they've actually tried to get experiential with it. Yeah, I mean, I think on a basic level, it's hard to do. Yeah. Like, it's not a very easy thing yeah. to do. Um, I mean, often there's a quite clearly a basic misunderstanding of what <laughs> um, taking drugs is like. Like, some when I think of particularly like how weed is represented mm. in games and it has it's quite often like hallucinatory and like it's basically yes. represented more like a psychedelic or something yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so People very, are actually tripping uh, again like very heavily leans into these very square <laughs> stereotypes yeah. of like what what drugs are like and and how yeah it very heavily leans into the aesthetic of uh hippiness and psychedelia with weed as well always like um yeah it's like it's not much more progressed than like um shaggy in scooby-doo <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so so i mean they're often operating on stereotypes yeah. so i mean that's one reason they're not very good at representing it i think but yeah on a more fundamental level it's just difficult to replicate the experience as mm. you say it's like a wobbly mm. wobbly screen or something like that um I again tried to think of some okay examples. Yeah. I think the, I don't think it's like perfect or anything, but I think the scene in Red Dead Redemption 2 
where you go on a um, drinking binge with uh, Lenny does an okay job of kind of representing what a heavy drinking session might feel like in some way. Yeah, I actually think it's... I I really liked that scene a lot. I went back and watched it on YouTube um, because I remember that as being like... uh, unusually good um sort of drugs sequence and he's like yeah alcohol slightly easier to handle i think in some ways because um because it's legal because lots of people who are playing video games um you know and who are creating video games will have will have had you know there's very widespread experiences of it um but yeah the 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 scene where you go off with lenny and like there's something about the way that so you're in a tavern and the kind of um or saloon sorry um the kind of uh the way that the emotion of it kind of sways around mm-hmm. um and music kind of it goes silent and then the music comes back up and then you're going to be in a fight and then you're not and then you're somewhere else like I, I feel like it does do it quite well um yeah it's those cuts for me that that kind of yeah they kind of replicate to a degree that kind of the gaps of memory you might um, experience and like um, you said like you said the swings of emotion like the it's also that some of the scenes are quite some of the bits are quite narrowly shot mm-hmm. um and it kind of replicates that thing where you dr- where you're drunk of both uh a kind of lack of awareness but also um a very intense focus on like one thing that you decide is important for you to do at that <laughs> I don't know like so he, he has that in that in those scenes some of those scenes right he's um got uh, I forgot his name uh the main character Arthur um, Arthur yeah he's got you know he has to do this like you know whatever it is I really I've decided that getting fried chicken is the most possible yes. important thing at this moment <laughs> and your focus becomes very and then sometimes, like you said, then suddenly you can be doing something else and like you could have lost that. And that, that kind of sh- those shifts happen in that scene, I think. Yeah, um, I was thinking like, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned blackouts because that's really what it brought to mind to me, because that's, the, I think, maybe a slightly interesting thing um, that alcohol has of its own the character of alcohol, um, mm. which which is communicated in 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 some video games um, fairly accurately, is the blackout because it's quite a useful kind of narrative device. Mm. Um, I looked into what happens during a blackout. Um, so that's when you've been you've been drinking heavily and your blood alcohol level goes up quite high. Um, the part of your brain that forms new memories um, is inhibited, basically. Um, and that's why if you're drinking with someone and you notice that they uh, become very, very repetitive, mm-hmm. that can be a sign of, of blackout, that they're actually in a blackout. They won't remember any of this the next day. They, they're like long-term memory is still in place. They can still function. They can still do things. They can still kind of have a conversation. Um, they are no longer forming new memories. Um, and um, obviously that then creates a situation where you wake up the next morning and you have to piece stuff together. And that's actually a really classic video game, um, you know, sort of situation to be in, that sort of piecing together what has happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one game that um, does do it. It's, um, it's uh, what is it? It's uh, Skyrim, um, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. That's, uh, that's the fifth Skyrim game. Um, there's a quest called A Night to Remember. Uh, when uh, your character reaches level 14, 
they go to a tavern and bump into a character called Sam Gavin, who challenges you to a drinking contest. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and you wake up, uh, it's sort of the screen goes to black. And then the next thing is that you're in the temple of um, Debella in uh, Markath, I believe. And, um, and then you have to piece together sort of the events of the night before. Uh, it's quite a fun quest and it does yeah it specifically zeroes in on that that one thing that comes with alcohol which is which is the blackout was there one of those in the witcher 3 as well you have to oh, do that. now there's a really good bender scene in the witcher 3 um i'm not sure if there's one of those piecing together ones there probably is there's just so many quests in the witcher Oof. 3 it's just ridiculous but um but there is a very good bender which is the one that you go on with your witchery buddies um shortly before things all get very very serious uh uh care more and and um yeah that's that's a lot of fun that's more like a stag night (laughs) (laughs) but it is a good scene it's lots of fun yeah and i guess the thing is with the uh with the witcher scene and and uh, you know these other scenes in general like they do employ another thing another mechanic i guess that lots of us use recreational drugs for in real life which is that kind of form of social bonding they get used as a way of shorthand for telling you that these characters are becoming close um creating a sense of intimacy uh, a really nice example again one of the games i've been playing recently is metro exodus where you will have uh share the odd cigarette uh with one mm. of your crewmates on the aurora and um and yeah and that's you know that's a way of s- indicating that you are wanting to enter into a deeper dialogue with that character at that point is that you you pull out a cigarette um and uh and i also think that's quite a nice bit of world building in metro exodus because the uh, cigarettes are um made out of um paper like uh like bible paper uh yeah. because like there's no rizzlers i guess in the apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah so that's like a nice bit of world building too uh but yeah i always think that's like quite a nice because there's a few games where you do that i mean i think it happens in um bioware games as well there's another sort of drink there's like a drinking competition i think it's like a poker night in dragon age inquisition which is actually like really quite a lovely scene like one of the better sort of character scenes i think in that game um but yeah, so it's it's that that idea of bonding or closeness of kind of conviviality uh, that you get with the kind of legal recreational drugs. Mm. Yeah, I guess again, there's a kind of uh, it's weird. There's like a ritual aspect, isn't mm. there? Like to like yeah, you know, getting drunk with somebody or you know sharing some kind of yeah you know, cigarette or something with somebody. It's kind of like a yeah, it's an idea of like. It can be a way of like becoming friends with someone or something like if you've been through the ritual of a heavy nice drinking with them or, or something like that i mean i think that's like i think that's really common in uh, particularly in a lot of europe i would say as like a way of sort of becoming friends with someone is that you you meet someone you get on out you get on you go out and get pissed together mm. <laughs> and then you're just sort of mates yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the, the one other scene I thought of when I was thinking about this, uh, again, I don't, I don't know if it's actually a particularly good representation of the experience of drugs, but um, yeah. I think it's aesthetically and stylistically cool, which is the last level, I believe, of Hotline Miami 2. 
mm-hmm. where you play uh, where you're you play as different characters in Hotline Miami 2 uh, but this one you're like a gang leader right. and he takes a shitload of drugs uh, of a kind of unspecified drug at the beginning of the level and he's basically on a trip as you play through the level so yeah it's it's slightly wobbly but also quite psychedelic and mm-hmm. there's kind of various effects that change or increase as you go through level like when you shoot someone like the way that the blood kind of explodes and like there's colors and uh it just behaves differently but also you fight uh for kind of um what appear to be like monsters or creatures but you will know having having played the game the characters that you play earlier in the game who um there's a yeah four characters they each have a mask that they wear and they have their own ability related to the mask so like one of them can so there's one with a zebra mask for example who can jump through windows and then you so you what you know having played it that what you're encountering is like a uh yeah um a hallucinated version of these characters so they they appear as monsters as opposed to the normal enemies i guess because they are they are in reality super dangerous um people which you would have known having played the game and killed loads of people with them and they're their like how they appear like mirrors their special ability so like there's a there's a room full of glass where like this zebra creature like flies through from one window to the other and you have to right. kind of dodge it and shoot it so yeah it was just quite a cool scene that um it allowed it also allowed it to like i said allowed it to be a boss fight that represented their danger in like a, a way that they appeared as monsters without you having to actually just fight like a normal person. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a cool scene. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's like necessarily like a trip or whatever, but... Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it probably gets described as like trippy. I mean, that's... There is like... You, you come up against a kind of um, paucity of language, I think, sometimes, where it's like games that are just trying to do things that are... Um, different or experimental in some way like I I noticed when I was reading around there's a game called Proteus that um I really enjoyed I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've ever played Proteus yeah it's lovely isn't it so you sort of walking around um just an environment like Mm -hmm. it's like hills and trees and stuff and like a beach and stuff um and when you sort of come across flowers or uh you come across like the shoreline or look at the sun like different sounds come up and different kind of colors and stuff um mm-hmm. and it cycles through different seasons it's it's quite difficult to describe but one way that i have seen it described several times as being like trippy and i'm not sure that's even really like the word for it no. I, I don't think that's what it's trying to do um but it it, it feels like sometimes it's um it's it's like the way that anything that's remotely interesting will be described as it's like X on acid. Do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like like there's a there's a failure of there's a failure of critical language there. Like we need more language to talk about things, um, so that we're not just describing everything as being surreal or trippy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it can be quite difficult to find. Yeah, it's actually it's also actually very difficult to describe the experience of drugs because, like, as yes. I say, drugs make your brain function differently. Yes. So y- your brain's functioning differently, so you can't you can't uh, describe that. Um, yeah, you you're, you're absolutely your existing kind of linguistic uh, frameworks are not really you know um, are not really set up for it. No. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I also felt like I have to mention the uh, a game named after a drug. 
um, ah. LSD Dream Emulator. Okay. Which uh, is a game that was made by Asmic Ace and was released in Japan in 1998 for the PlayStation and was a very obscure game that made very little impact at the time but then had a kind of resurgence because of the internet and just because it was very weird and surreal. It was kind of this curio that people started playing. So it's um, a game with no explicit goal it is kind of like a playable dream is supposed to be. So you, you just kind of are in an environment and then you walk about. And if you walk into an object or you walk through certain like tunnels, then you will be transported to a new environment. Okay. And they kind of become a bit more surreal over time. But there's nothing to do other than walk through these environments. So yeah, it came out at a time where there was still things hadn't been formalized so much in terms of like there was quite a a, you got some quite weird games around that time uh and this is an example of one of those games um also i think that the kind of inherently surreal nature of like early playstation visuals kind of lent it certain strangeness um so yeah I, i again i don't i i don't think it I don't think it necessarily replicates what it's like to be on LSD. I don't, I mean, I don't know whether any of the creators had taken LSD. I mean, drugs are a lot more uh, heavily punished, punished, uh, punishable in Japan and culturally. um, Yeah. If you, if you are like a famous person who's found to have like taken a legal drug, that's like a fact, you know, it's like considered really bad. Um, So, possibly not um but anyway yeah it's it it at least captures a certain uh weird experience whether that's related whether that's in any way relatable to the experience of that drug that it's named after i I don't necessarily think so but i thought it was worth mentioning that sounds really cool right so another way or mechanic in which drugs are present in games that we have touched on but we will discuss in a little bit more detail is the idea of buffs debuffs like um enhancements basically um things that can um change the game mechanically in your favor Mm. do you use single use items in games paul what do you mean do i use them so if you're playing i mean i have a tendency to hoard yes um that's what i mean i might need and then never use them if that's what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I just don't ever use like things like when you get, um I guess in the the Fallout games, maybe like the Stims are an example of this. Like, yeah, um, I never used them. No. Never <laughs> used like Buff, Psycho, never used a Mentat. Um, I love Mentats, by the way, in the Fallout series because their name is a Dune reference, just as a side note. Um, oh. <laughs> but... but um, but yeah, I just never end up using them. I always just think they're going to be useful later. So I just end up with like pockets absolutely bursting with uh, with drugs. Um, yeah, absolutely the same. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the only example of the ones that I do tend to use is maybe in like Dark Souls because I will often just kind of throw everything I have at a particular boss. Um, right. But even then I don't like it. I feel I feel like I'm kind of, you know, I could be using them later. I could be storing them up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a hundred percent the same. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I was thinking 
Uh, I, I mean, what, I was trying to think, you know, thinking through some sort of Disco Elysium has some drugs that you can take to kind oh, yeah. of temporarily boost your abilities so you can pass skill checks. Uh, as you mentioned, loads in Fallout. Yes. St- like even stuff like Titanfall has like a stim that you can use to like speed yourself up. There's a character okay. in Apex Legends called Octane who... Um, just runs around injecting himself with like adrenaline or something. Um, right. So your, your main ability, it recharges really quickly as well. So you use it constantly. Yeah. Um, that's a good, uh, in uh, Apex Legends, the the abilities uh, are just on a recharge. So you're encouraged to use them like whenever you get into combat, basically. But um, his one, like uh, his health drains slowly when you use it, mm-hmm. but uh, you were super fast. Uh, and it, um, his health also he also has a, a passive ability where his health charges so you're encouraged to constantly be injecting yourself so yeah he's uh, quite a fun character but um, I thought of uh, as, a, as an example of like a drug that kind of encapsulates something about the game that it appears in I thought of the steroids from Duke Nukem 3D right uh, the 3D Realms game from 1996. Okay. So, I mean, Duke Nukem is a, a character that's kind of, um, he he's obviously like a parody, but he's also kind of in some ways an embodiment of a so- certain type of masculinity, which very much idolizes uh, a certain kind of, yeah, the kind of people that really like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know what I mean? Like really yeah. like him. And yeah, 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 yeah. He's all kind of um, guns and muscles, isn't he, Duke Nukem? Yeah, yeah. Be, 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 but you know what I mean? There's a certain kind of culture that is like, yeah, from the this kind of mas- ideas of masculinity from like the 80s and the early 90s, mm, mm, mm. which still exists now actually in like slightly different forms. Um, I, I, maybe like. I feel like the mo- the modern what would be the modern equivalent would be somebody who was like really into Joe Rogan, right? Be, like that kind of <laughs> masculinity, you know what I mean? I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But like, but yeah, steroids, like yeah, these hyper masculine uh, men and this idea of masculinity. It's perfect that Duke Nukem takes steroids. Does um, he take steroids? It's not. Yeah, it's not he, all natural. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's it's, it's it's an item that you use for right. a temporary um, speed boost. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it just fits very nicely with the game and captures something about the the culture that kind of informs uh, Junior Come. I mm. think. Um, so uh, we had. I've been back to the range touch and no cartridge discords as, Hello, as always, guys. asking for suggestions. Um, Jacob had a, a, a really um, interesting comment that. that that kind of explains a lot, I think, about how and why drugs appear in this um, role of, of enhancement that we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, buffs and, and stuff like that. Um, or that, you know, stat upgrades and, and things that you, that you can get from taking drugs. So they said, I think it's interesting how games mechanize drug use where in the majority of situations they communicate the reason why a player character would choose to take recreational drugs as stat bonuses because they can't actually make the make the act of taking them pleasurable for the player yes um so yeah we talked about this it's difficult to represent taking drugs so 
how do you yeah how do you make it seem like they're a good or pleasurable thing to do you add plus one to intelligence or strength or whatever it is exactly that yeah and actually like they're so unpleasurable within that context that like as we said like going into this bit like we don't even take them like in the context of games where they are giving you those bonuses you still don't even really want to take them all the time it's still like no maybe i'll just hoard them and 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 never take Mm. them at all which is yeah is is not really the experience i think many of us have with drugs uh it's like (laughs) no i will not take these (laughs) so yeah yeah it's not not doing the best job (laughs) yeah so um i think there's uh that's absolutely an aspect of it Mm. But uh, I have a slightly wilder suggestion, I think, um, which is that what might be happening here is we're kind of seeing drugs like filtered through a, a neoliberal mindset. Ah. And um, I mean, that might seem unusual to suggest, but I, I think it's worth mentioning that games come out of a tech culture, which is very much... Um, you know, in a, a deeply embedded in the in the ideology and, and mythology of neoliberal capitalism, you mm-hmm. know, Silicon Valley, uh, even 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 uh, even if the game developers themselves aren't in Silicon Valley, there's still a kind of Silicon Valley mindset which combines this kind of vague uh, hippie progressive liberalism yep. with a very sure sense that. Um, the success that they may have had is is a result of the meritocracy of them doing the system correctly. Uh, so I think it's not reasonable to suggest that some of this might slip through into the games. Um, so, uh, so what we have here, like drugs that enhance you through stat boosts. I mean, the, the kind of thing is that what like why else would you do them but to get like some tangible benefit that's right. like measurable to like yeah. make yourself more effective um you you're you're always basically enhancing the skills to make you better at doing your job um your job might be like killing people or something in a game but uh, it may not be but but whatever it is you're taking drugs to make you more efficient more um yeah to be able to produce better in whatever it is that you're doing um they are not um so I mean, obviously, this is a thing where like everything in capitalism has to be about that. Like everything you do, the way you spend your free time, should in some way be geared towards like making you more employable, or right. uh, you know, your the things you might do. Like if you volunteer or something, this is something that should go on your CV. To, yeah, it's great for your you know, resume. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like I'm gonna I'm deciding to volunteer because I would like to help these people. Like it has mm. to have like a a financial outcome of some kind um yeah. so everything gets filtered through that lens so we have i get it- that quite a lot because i um crochet as a hobby and like something that you'll hear a lot from people is like wow you could sell these uh as like the first right. thing that because otherwise you know i'm just sitting on my ass for 80 hours at a time you know making a blanket for no reason whatsoever i guess is, is the thinking but yeah i think we're all quite susceptible to that kind of mindset yeah. I mean, for example, a video games is a hobby of both of us. Yes. And you can support us at patreon.com. <laughs> you absolutely so, can, isn't so, it? So, yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. Um, so, yeah, even like personal experiences or, or recreational activity mm-hmm. or mm. some kind of development, which, you know, people might take drugs to, to kind of 
some people take drugs as a kind of way of growing themselves in some way like yeah. something like that but but it also has to be translated into economic outcomes so i think there's an element of i think that expl- that can be part of explaining why drugs appear in this way of like plus one to whatever um and yeah it's uh i i, I can't remember where i saw this uh i saw it somewhere where i was looking up but um obviously uh, caffeine is a drug that capitalism mm. valorizes and it's because it's got a strong relationship to productivity so it's like a real world it's a real world example of like how a, a drug is kind of you know there's all kinds of humor around like work and coffee and yes oh my god don't even talk to me until i've had my coffee yeah <laughs> but this is all tied up this is because it's yeah it helps productivity so yeah. it's not even about the the pleasure also, yeah people talk about they do it so they can be productive like so they can do things so yeah um i think that's a real world example of it i think that's why it appears in games like this it's um yeah the idea of drugs filtered through this kind of ideology yep i can see that absolutely so you were just talking about the way in which drugs can be uh, introduced in games as a way of suggesting some kind of benefit or bonus and giving giving form to that benefit or bonus, the way in which it comes into mm-hmm. the world. Um, the thing, uh, one of the points I was interested in was the kind of reverse side of that as well. Um, very often when you the idea of the deficit that's being made up for, right? Um, this is like an idea that comes up a lot if you spend time in recovery contexts, uh, so like AA or Narcotics Anonymous, or if you um, go to a lot of uh, conversion-based religious movements, uh, they'll bring up this idea a lot. The classic recovery narrative will go something like, I always felt like there was something missing in me, that there was some kind of fundamental flaw or weakness. Um, I, I have no way of addressing it. So I try to fill it up. I try to fill up this hole within me through drugs. Um, but of course, the drugs or, you know, that any whatever form of drugs or, or um, dependency we're talking about, it just made the hole bigger. It, ju- it just made that void bigger. It became a hunger. It started to feed on itself. Um, so the... You know, this idea of the whole is often, yeah, the metaphor that is used to make the deficit kind of real. And I, I think it's drugs, t- um, sorry, games tend not to be fantastic at dealing with this idea of, of it's like the withdrawal or, or the lack of drugs, the, the, the thing, that the, the whole that makes the drugs necessary. I think you kind of have it a little bit in fallout. Like if you take... If you do take like psycho or or under the stims, I think like your your stats will be boosted for a little bit, and then when they come off the boost, you're maybe like weakened slightly. You, you can get, you can get addicted. Can you? I mean, you yeah. Ah, uh, see, I just haven't taken them. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure that's not just the mod either. I think Ooh. if you take them loads, then you get dependency. Right, right, right. Okay. And, so- yeah, and then I think you like lose health and stuff if you don't. Right, right. Um, the other example I had that came to mind immediately was just Geralt in uh, in The Witcher, uh, who is obviously a big consumer of of drugs in the form of his uh, witchery potions, um, and they have a very clear physical sort of effect on him to the extent that he gets all sort of veiny and purple um, mm. after after taking a bunch of them. But other than that, they don't seem to affect him too negatively. I believe that's uh, that's the 
benefit of his witcher mutations um but but one of the uh drugs that i did think a place where this is portrayed really well actually is in the elder scrolls series (laughs) they do it with (laughs) sorry i am sorry this is basically just a podcast where i talk about elder scrolls um uh they do it with um not with drugs but with blood um, the use of drugs is actually quite boring within the Elder Scrolls series, as I say. Right. But um, yeah, it's often just a shorthand for bandits, as we were talking about earlier. Um, but the way in which vampirism is visited upon your character is really interesting. So uh, there are s- missions or quest lines within uh, Elder Scrolls games where you can contract um, some kind of haemophilia, which mm. is which is vampirism within that world. Um uh, it's particularly good in Oblivion, I think. Um, and um, you, uh, once you contract vampirism, you need to drink blood. And if you don't drink blood, you you really do become physically weakened. Um, you also start to be visited at night by nightmares and night terrors, which are just blocks mm-hmm. of text that come up, but they get like more and more frightening. And um, and also, you cannot interact with the rest of the world during while you have vampirism like you um if you try and talk to people they can tell you're a vampire basically um and uh and will tell you to get lost like really the only thing you can do once you contract vampirism i think this is particularly the case in oblivion is go on the like lengthy mission to um to cure it Uh, and all the time it's getting more and more alarming all the time you need to drink more and more blood uh so i think that's really interesting i think there's I can see why blood works really well for that because it feels like a really urgent kind of, we already have those narratives of kind of hunger. I guess vampires are often depicted as, as drug users. I think that's baked right into the, the concept of, of the vampire starting mm. with, you know, um, Bram Stoker's work. Um, I wonder if they're going to do stuff like that. I, I can't remember if they did stuff like that in bloodlines, um, uh, vampire, the masquerade bloodlines, uh, right which is a game for a few years ago now, but they're, they're going to have a new one coming out soon. But I do think there's there's a lot of space within vampire narratives to tell kind of interesting drug stories. Uh, so, yeah. So I look forward to seeing what they do with the, with the new one coming up. Might have been interesting if they let you continue playing the normal quests while you had it. Because um, then you, you would kind of have these conflicts of like priority. <laughs> it would kind yes. of structure the way you'd have to go about the missions that would kind of speak to addiction in some way like i'm supposed to be doing this thing but i need to do this so absolutely yeah 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 no i i'm supposed to be a turning in you know 50 wolf pets pelts to this innkeeper but <laughs> it would actually i need to suck their blood yeah. <laughs> so I had to go without yeah i don't think you can i think i think you start off being able to do general missions and kind of keep it going but as as the vampirism becomes more and more progressed mm. um yeah people will just stop talking to you and will outright i think start trying to fight you if you try and talk to them and stuff um but okay. yeah it is it is one of the better places where i've seen that idea of a, a hole or a hunger um or or a gulf uh that drugs are somehow making up for cool Okay, um, we've talked a lot about illegal drugs, like recreational drugs. Yep. Um, of course, there are other drugs, like most of us probably take some kind of medicine yes. uh, now and again, whether that uh, ibuprofen or, or paracetamol, or if you've had, you've probably taken antibiotics, you may have, 
you may be diabetic, you may have to take insulin. So mm-hmm. there's a whole, a whole uh, array of like legal medical drugs. So um, a game that I felt had a lot, or a game series that I think has a lot about this, uh, about legal drugs and particularly Big Pharma, the issue of Big Pharma is the Deus Ex series. Right. Uh, that's my one that I keep that's, going back Yeah, to. another favourite. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Deus Ex has lots of stuff so about capitalism and, and pharma and stuff like that. So the original, so Deus Ex, the, the first game from 2000, um, there is a um, like a, a disease called the Grey Death and there's cool, a no. vaccine called Ambrosia. Um, the vaccine only grants you 48 hours of immunity, mm-hmm. so you have to keep taking it. Um, and what you kind of uncover through the course of the game is that this... So the, this, um, this uh, vaccine is produced by Bob Page uh, via his company Versa Life. Uh, Bob Page is also a member of the Illuminati. Of course. Um, and uh, the disease is produced by uh, Majestic 12, which is a kind of secret underground organization. Also part of the Illuminati, I think, maybe. Um, but anyway, the, they deliberately produce large amounts of the virus and small amounts of the vaccine. Right. Um, so it's kind of a way of exercising control on the world. Now, obviously, the rich are kind of insulated from the effects of the Grey Death to a large degree. They can get the vaccine when they want it. It doesn't really matter that they have to take it every 48 hours. They can afford it. Um, For the poor, it's incredibly scarce. It's incredibly difficult to get. So this really brings into focus kind of uneven access to drugs. Um, Mm. And uh, I mean, in the time of kind of coronavirus where we've we can see how like it will impact different like if you're very wealthy it's not that hard to stay at home yeah and you don't have to you don't have to work necessarily or it's if you do it's like easier to do um if you're very poor then maybe you you just have to go to work and you Mm. have to expose yourself um those those kind of things so we we very clearly see how how uh, inequality can like affect our access to uh yeah medical care and, and drugs and things like this um so this is this is uh obviously versa life in this game is deliberately manufacturing this scenario but i think this taps into tra- tradition of conspiracy theory which Sex is is very, very, very interested in, yeah. uh, in kind of showing us a distorted reflection of the way things actually are. Um, I have to clarify when I phrased that because um, obviously conspiracy theories often perform like a reactionary move of uh, blaming a real issue on its victims. Yes. So for example, um, it's true that like the super wealthy have uh, a, an incredible amount of political influence that they can exercise through money and they naturally look out for their own interests as a class. Yep. But conspiracy theories make it into like an anti-Semitic thing with the elders of Zion and stuff like that. And yep. so yeah, conspiracy theory shifts, often shifts like, yeah, shifts like a, a real problem and like blames it on victims or like some marginalized group or something like that. So I'm Absolutely. not saying like conspiracy theories, right? But, but what I'm saying is conspiracy theory often is trying to or is like a response to like some kind of uh, real problem 
and, and in this case in Deus Ex like it's not that far from like the real situation in that it's it's uh picking up like this huge pharmaceutical company and showing how uh its existence as like a private company can create a situation where there's uneven access to medical care um yeah this is appears in this throughout the series in like various different different ways so in uh, um there's a drug called uh neuroposine or something like that um mm-hmm. which is needed to deal with rejection of augmentations so if anyone doesn't know in the deus ex series people have cyborg arms and cyborg eyes and all cool. sorts of other enhancements um uh this is complicated by the story somewhat so i, I can't explain all of it but bear in mind for the most part, this is a world where, of course, augmentations will allow you to get ahead in some way. If you have augmentations, you if you have a super enhanced eye, you can do things that other people can't. You can be faster, you can be stronger, you can be quicker. You can uh, access, uh, like if you have infrared or something, you can do things that other people can't. So in terms of like, again, talking about how productive you can be or like how valuable you are, um, augmentations can give you like an advantage so there's Mm. like an incentive to do that but then you need these drugs to uh if you're in that situation so you kind of become locked in and again versa life owns neuro neuroposing they have the trademark for it as their drug so they can make it very expensive they can create artificial shortages um there another drug appears called ryazine which is like an alternative which is also owned behind the scenes by the same people. I mean, it's the Illuminati again. This is Dead right. <laughs> Um But they, they kind of leak it onto the black market deliberately to test on people who die and stuff like that. But again, it's it's tapping into this issue of, which is a real issue of um, pharmaceutical companies owning drugs and controlling the supply of drugs and the price of drugs. And of course, like some people just can't afford the, to get access to the drug or they they obviously become embroiled in crime and stuff like that because they need mm. to get the drug it's like they need it to live um so yeah there's this issue of yeah privatizing healthcare um people having to pay to live effectively and when you look at things like insulin in america in particular yeah where the price of insulin has just gone up and up and up it's scarily expensive and people need it to live and mm. they have like they don't have a choice they have to buy it and this is this is kind of kind of the some of the uh, issues that deus ex is trying to um, reflect i think and it really even though it's kind of done an exaggerated illuminati conspiracy theory way it it kind of brings to focus the cynicism and dysfunctionality of big pharma and uh kind of what making access to drugs a result of uh the, the kind of within the realm of like private companies like what that does like how it makes pharmaceutical companies behave uh because yeah and then and what pharmaceutical companies do now often uh the, a lot of the more successful ones what they do is they just buy they buy other companies so they get their trademarks to drugs they lay off their r&d staff because it's expensive and they put the price up of the right. drugs like this isn't like a functional way of providing uh health for people in any way and there's a big issue with um for example like pharmaceutical companies don't put much money into a research new antibiotics because researching new antibiotics is really expensive and you might not get anywhere 
if you do like the next version of Viagra, you will make loads of money. Uh, if you focus on drugs that people have to repeatedly take rather mm. than drugs that cure people, this is more profitable. So this is where when yeah, so when pharmaceutical companies aren't cutting research and development because they're focused on profit, they are um, focusing their research efforts on drugs that certain drugs that become more profitable so that that's always the priority and it's a big problem and i think yeah deus ex um at least in some way like brings some of these issues to focus sounds like it's almost like um yeah it puts you in mind of almost like the other side of vampirism isn't it it's like uh the drugs as like the life force that makes the system work mm. <laughs> i mean i yeah. don't want to say money's the real drug man but <laughs> it's not not the real drug yeah. is it no. no actually somebody i'm sure I, I didn't write it down but somebody suggested that um if you're um really if you're like a super good guy in mass effect then oh, yeah. shepherd's shepherd scars heal so um maybe uh, kindness is the real drug there we go yeah that <laughs> I think is I was, true i think it was andy who said that i think uh thank you very much for bringing up mass effect andy always uh yeah no that's absolutely true and if you're uh if you're a bad guy your scars get worse and worse um mm. so there we go once again uh yeah sin sin and uh uh virtue mm. <laughs> in the body yeah um, one more series I'll, I'll mention quickly for, for another example is uh, Bioshock. Um, again, mentioned that one or two times. Yeah. Uh, which features uh, Adam and Eve. So Adam's like the kind of fundamental genetic re-editing drug that allows uh, in this society to create, yeah, these substances that give you very special abilities, like rewrite your genetic code. Yeah, so bees Eve, can come out of your hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Eve is more like the fuel that you need to yes. do that stuff. Um, int- yeah, so Eve basically has no backstory behind it. Um, it's no, it's just there. So it's just kind of the thing you need to fill up the bar so you can do powers. But uh, yeah, Adam is created it's um comes from a sea slug and they discover that the best way of them getting this to be produced in high amounts is by putting them into young girls mm-hmm. who are the best hosts for producing large amounts of adam and then they extract it from them um they later uh tweak the little sisters so that they're able to um remove adam and eve from dead bodies because there's like a shortage of the stuff so they kind of um yeah take it out so it doesn't go to waste or whatever Mm. um so i think bioshock again represents uh replicates quite a lot of the kind of conservative ideas we talked about in terms of drugs here like around like severe addiction deranged psychos yes uh people who are completely crazy because of withdrawals um, but I think you can make an argument that this is a case of a drug that is at least in part meant to stand in for something else. Um, because in this society, Adam is like the fundamental currency. It's what everybody wants. It's what the whole place uh, circulates around. Mm. So it, it, it is the, it's the economy of Rapture, effectively, is Adam. Um, and the economy 
uh, as we know, must continue to circulate. Yeah. Uh, this is always capital's priority. Again, we've seen this uh, being brought into focus with coronavirus and kind of the difficulties of responding to it in the most um, in, the, in the way that would have been most effective because of the way it butts up against the need for the economy to function both in terms of like ideology and just because of the way society is structured mm. um, uh, and for, yeah even you can see that different countries have been able to respond to it differently because they have like a different structure but um, anyway so yeah the economy has to continue to circulate and in this case uh, these young girls are used uh, in quite a conservative way I would suggest to stand in for innocence and yeah. childhood yeah and this kind of shows us that their childhood has to be like sacrificed to uh the economy in order to keep it circulating um because yeah, this is a society where capital has complete free reign and they they can only instead of being like a child or having childhood or innocence or whatever they can only be a vector through which the economy can continue to circulate um they completely lose their humanity in this process um they are yeah very unsettling strange <laughs> um little creatures uh the little, the little sisters um i mean you you can kind of save them like at, at the end as one of the one of the as the good ending but yeah. yeah within within the game they 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 kind of become unhuman um so yeah i think there's an idea where the the economy's been set to run free the circulation of the economy is the priority and in that context like even these children just become a vector through which the economy can circulate so i think it's an example of a drug standing in for an idea of something else yeah wasn't it the case early on that um i believe in like early when they were first sort of making bioshock the little sisters were going to be like not little girls but like wombats or like some kind of hamster thing or something. There's definitely going to be something else. I read I that. What, I, I mean, don't know what it was. I don't know whether it's wombats. <laughs> I don't know whether I, I mean, just pulled so that out of my It seems unlikely, to be honest. But. <laughs> um, but yeah, whoever had the idea to make them little girls instead, I don't know whether that was Ken himself or um, uh, some other genius, but uh, it was a good idea uh, <laughs> yeah. to do that. It works much better than... Yeah, I swear it was wombats or like gerbils. <laughs> I have to look it up. <laughs> okay, so I mean that's really nice though because you've talked about how um within Rapture this is a space that is almost created by the circulation of this drug created by you know the flow of um of Adam and Eve within its uh walls. Um that's an external space. I also thought of course another thing that's being made material when drugs come into games or that can be is is the more inner space i've already kind of touched on this by the idea of that that baleful gap that terrible emptiness that comes up in um recovery narratives but there's another way in which um inner space is cast that's maybe more positive in that it can be thought of as a space of learning or initiation this kind of um inward focused uh sort of psychic consciousness space actually comes up in quite a lot of games um mm -hmm. not necessarily associated with drugs but i thought of games like dishonored 
um, where you very often go into like a dream world mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it comes up in uh, Dragon Age series. It comes up in Control, uh, where you enter a kind of embodiment of the collective consciousness, essentially. So it's like this external but also internal at the same time kind of psychic space. Um, Entry into the space will often be marked in some way, as I say, very often. Persona as well. Sorry, Persona. Yes. Mm. Well, Mm. there we go. Fantastic example, in fact, because I was going to say that the entry into this space will often be marked through sleep. Um, mm-hmm. which is in, in persona, like you're, you're explicitly going into a dream space. I think a lot of the time, um, but you can do it with drugs as well. Um, and, um, an example is, um, Batman Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not that into it. Um, it's, uh, the, I think you spend quite a lot of the game being stalked by the scarecrow, uh, who is uh, will occasionally um, make it so that you're exposed to some kind of yeah we'll call it a neurotoxin which yeah. makes you go on like a very bad trip uh, yeah. where you have to go and fight the scarecrow within you know your nightmares. Um, again, it's the kind of thing where it's it, I don't feel like I feel like that's a very separate. That's one of those examples of where you go into trip land and it's very separate and you're not really learning something. Um, you're not really sort of growing or it's not really incorporated into your forward momentum within the game in any way. Um, but an example where it is is a game that I have already mentioned on this show, um, but I want to mention it again. It is Fran Bow. Uh, that's uh, a 2015 point-and-click game by Kill Monday. I think last time I mentioned this was the Gore episode, and I think you said you hadn't played it. No, I haven't played it, but I'm sort of aware of it. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, so it's um, it's a lovely game. I do want to recommend it kind of in its own right. Um, it's It feels like a really sort of um, quite a feminine game to me. Um, I know the, uh, the lead writer and art director is called Natalia Martinson and she is a woman and and the game um has a kind of interest in um fairy stories in its kind of art design it, it looks like illustrations that you might see in like a fairy stories book um and it's also a trauma narrative which is uh, another sort of sphere of fiction in which women are often centered um it's it's a really really good game and I think it's 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 very interesting in its own right but it has a particularly interesting uh, use of drugs you play a uh, character called Fran Bow who has um, undergone unspeakable trauma absolutely terrible and um, when you start off the game she is basically captive within a um, psychiatric hospital and uh, she is medicated she has she has drugs that she takes that allow her to they kind of let her subconscious have kind of free reign so whereas Fran is someone who has been heavily traumatized and is is maybe um trying to uh avoid painful thoughts and memories when she takes these drugs the world is just absolutely full of horror and um and terrible very frightening imagery um but she she needs to take those drugs. She needs to to see that stuff in order to see different ways to solve the puzzles in the world around her. Uh, mm. they, they kind of fit it quite well within sort of point and click gameplay mechanics. 
Um, it's really, really good. Uh, I don't think it's for everyone because the 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 way it really does go quite hard on the player and a lot of the imagery is actually really I, I found quite disturbing and stuff like that but um mm. but I, th I think it's 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 very interesting um and a really nice example of of unlocking that inner space in a way that doesn't just feel like something that's completely separate that feels like it's kind of wound into the world and into Fran's progression in the world in some in some interesting ways so I thought that was quite a good example Okay, so um, as always, uh, to close off, we've got some suggestions from people um, that, that, that we haven't touched on so far. Uh, some very good suggestions. So, um, Rumination. Uh, Rumination's been one of our MVPs, I think, in terms of... I mean, of really. Shout out, yeah. Rumination. Thank you for coming yeah. back. Uh, I mean, there's been, there's been a few, but... Um, they're definitely one of them. So um, they said another another odd half-remembered one is Haze. So this is a 2008 shooter. I remember uh, I the adverts for it. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Haze, which was a real early contender on the did you know video games are fucked up, but actually did it better than any other game since because it had an original corn song written for it. And Why? that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, right. But the real thing about it is is that you'd take Nectar, which basically improved you and made you a cool-ass super soldier, and the world was awesome and you were just kicking ass with no problems. But as you get off of the Nectar and see what the world is, you, you see that the world is actually pretty fucked up. The violence you're doing is way worse than you realised. E.g., e when you're on Nectar, anyone you kill just blinks and disappears, like a video game. But when you're off it, the, the bodies stay and litter the battlefield. So, yeah, I haven't played Haze. But um, and I, I think it's, um, by all accounts, pretty bad. But conceptually, I think that is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I think someone pointed out, I should have written it down, but I think someone pointed out as well there is a tradition of drugs and war and like battle, like people being either, yeah, taking drugs like voluntarily because they, yeah, like if you think of Vietnam or something. Yeah, yeah, Also yeah. people being given or... Uh, taking drugs to like improve their efficiency in battle you know like i don't know how true they are but stories of like berserkers and stuff taking yeah, yeah. various yeah my understanding was and i don't know this might be nonsense as well but like um the like the word assassin comes from the same root as hashish and is to do with like assassins of some kind of cultural class like getting stoned before murdering people which to me doesn't I mean, I don't, don't, I don't know, know how that vibe squares, but... Um, that, I mean, that could be true. It, it also feels true. like something that, like, Robert Anton Wilson... It really um, does. I've just pulled the cosmic trigger. In, in fact, I, I'm almost certain that I've I've read a lot about that. Right, And okay. I feel like maybe we've read the same Robert Anton Wilson books or something. All right, well. Have you read Robert Anton Wilson books? Yes, I've read Robert Anton Wilson. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right, so maybe we're just both just... Our reality tunnels are just far too expanded. Uh, <laughs> like me, do you find it slightly embarrassing that you have Robert Anton Wilson books on your bookshelf? Yes, of I mean, course, of course I do. But also, I do quite like you know, he's he's you know, it's fun to. He, he's he's fun, but I, but when I initially read them, I took them far too seriously. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, oh god, yeah, absolutely. No, I was very much, very much a twenty-one-year-old chaos magician. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> Um, yeah. Good. 
Yeah, for me, he's more like now. Uh, I always like read Carlos Castaneda in mm-hmm. that way. Like Carlos Castaneda yeah. was always very fun for me. I could never took him seriously. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll off. we'll get um, onto that at some point. Carlos Castaneda. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Andy said. Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor is all about working to keep getting your gender-affirming treatment. Don't remember if it's actually instantiated as drugs, but it's clearly an HRT metaphor. Right. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one we haven't touched on. Like the, yeah, um, yeah, having to work to like, uh, yeah, be like the person that you, you should be able to be. Like yeah. Not be able, yeah. I um, feel like that's something that maybe, hopefully, I guess, games will, will, will start to sort of, will start to come into more um, as a narrative because it is a different a different kind of texture of thinking about sort of drugs and stuff within games. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably already... There probably are. There, are. Like not, yeah, well, yeah. let us know. Um, Circadian Wolf. Um, this is a game also mentioned by Salamanco. Um, I'm sure other people, because every time I ask for a suggestion, this seemingly comes up. This is a favourite of the... <laughs> we have our games that we go to. Mm. The, the the discords they they have far cry 2 right um, right so yeah circadian wolf said far cry far cry 2's anti-malarial pills come to mind as something different um yeah it's the interesting one yeah you can in far cry 2 you can get malaria and then you have to uh, i think yeah i think this is one of the things i, I was kind of suggesting might be interested in with the vampire thing mm. it's like you're doing what you want to do but it's like shit i've got malaria right. i need i need to get i need to get some more tablets i need to yeah so that's an interesting one um also said pathologic 2 has a whole series of mechanics about creating drugs from various herbs and liquid combinations and using those drugs um, and other drugs you can find like pills to treat the plague based on individual patient symptoms which you have to test for first uh again Pathologic 2 is getting mentioned a lot. Uh, it is. Improves as well. I haven't played it, no. but that sounds fun. Um, again, lots of people mentioned a game called Lisa. Which, uh, uh, sorry, Lisa the Painful, which I hadn't um, heard of before. No. Uh, uh, Dante Vicknab mentioned this, as did Erisephales, who said Lisa the Painful has um, drugs or a drug as a central mechanic. Brad, the protagonist, as well as the other backup characters, are or can become addicted to joy, um, a drug which is prevalent in the post-apocalypse setting. Characters who have recently taken joy heal to full and always critical when they attack. So I guess there's like an incentive to take it. Um, characters, uh, characters claim that it makes them feel either kind of good or nothing, which is presented as an easy slash normal thing to crave given the game's settings. Right. However, sometime after taking Joy, characters experience a come down and take pr- pretty heavy debuffs to all their stats, depending on the level of addiction. Balancing Joy and whether you only use it as a last resort to defeat powerful bosses or prevent a permadeath, or use it as much as you like but need to ensure a steady supply is an important tactical decision. Additionally, some characters will interact differently with you depending on how much you have, have not relied on joy over the course of the game. And the B-plot revolves around the discovery of joy's origin as a sort of bioweapon pill designed to make perfect emotionless soldiers, as well as the side effects of the drug being a sort of devolution into a joy mutant. Um, joy mutants are account throughout the game, but often as optional bosses with grotesque body horror designs, their descriptions and dialogue make them seem to have lost the capacity for thought, aside from maybe a single overriding desire retained from when they were in the final 
uh, retained from when they were human. Uh, in the final arc, Brad slowly loses his regular attacks, which he has spent the game's learning, and begins to gain enormous boost to his stats as his attacks replace with the attacks encountered fighting joy mutants. In order to protect the person he cares about most, Brad gives in to joy and becomes a mutant, easily defeating an army by himself, but ultimately losing the ability to actually do anything to help them. Right. Um, so yeah, joy, that sounds like it touches on quite a lot of uh, interesting stuff in terms of like the addiction don't think we've had another game that we've mentioned here that has come downs in it no. represented in uh, any sort of way other so, than blood yeah. in elder scrolls but yeah 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 <laughs> it yeah. makes me so it sounds a little bit almost like um some of the ideas as well that you see in um we happy few did you play we happy few no did anyone play uh, we happy few like I'm... Uh, it was one of the that was another game that a couple of people mentioned right um I could never fit all the suggestions in, but um, yeah, yeah, but very sort of. I don't think it was that successful. I don't, but it was it's aesthetically very striking, wasn't it? And I, I suspect, yes. like we, if if either of us had played it, I guess we we probably would have had lots of stuff because it, it seems to be quite a lot about drugs. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I don't. I think it's one of those. Yeah, because obviously the the drug in we happy for you, like everybody's taking it to make. Uh, so they can't see like reality of what's going on right. and stuff like that and uh, it's kind of like a dystopic society I think some people have criticised it I don't know like I haven't played it I don't know exactly but you know there's kind of that thing of like uh, that tends that very dangerous um, tendency of people like saying like you shouldn't take antidepressants and stuff uh, and, like you're kind of um, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Yeah, so I think some people have criticised it as maybe being in that sort of direction. Mm, mm, um, mm. Yeah. Okay, so that's drugs. That is drugs. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Um, and um, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy, maybe drop us a little review on iTunes or indeed Stitcher. Or as we were saying earlier, you know, just mouth, just <laughs> using your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, uh, starting cults, remember? Oh, yeah, starting cults as well. Yes, if you could do... I would love... If we could see as many cults started as possible uh, over yeah. the next couple of weeks, that would just be just delightful, wouldn't it? If you want to send us any suggestions of uh, drugs that we've, we've missed um, or that we should take, um, <laughs> <laughs> then... Uh, and, and also, if you want to give us any um, suggestions ahead of the next episode, which will be about language yeah we're getting a bit more conceptual yes for our next one um so yeah language is the next one so if you want to send us any suggestions for that or or uh or, or send us anything about drugs then you can get in touch um at uh twitter dot um what, what is twitter. it com. <laughs> at, um... get object <laughs> at yeah. twitter.com that's <laughs> I completely lost it. Um, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, get that's right. Not Twitter.com. Uh, I mean, you could go on Twitter.com and then you could go to Get Object Pod, which is uh, where you'll find us. That's where you'll find us. Or you can email us uh, saying getobjectpod at gmail.com. And if you want to hear more stuff from us, then go to patreon.com slash getobject where we monetize our hobby yep. through um, our game club series and our first 15 video series. And yeah, you can see what we've already done on there. And uh, we're going to be 
keeping on doing that so check it out yeah that'd be wonderful and yes as i say we'll be coming back next time with language so all sorts of words used in interesting ways um we do hope you will return for that but for now thank you very much for listening cheers bye bye